0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from
1: HowStuffWorks.com. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette and I'm an editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting next to me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Hey there. Alrighty then. Yeah. So what do you want to talk about?
0: Well, uh, before we start talking, uh, this is going to be one of those special podcasts, you know, the kind that always start with
1: Listener Mail. Dude, I was hoping I was ice cream and cake. You got me all excited. Yeah, no, Punch and Pie
0: will be later. Okay. So this Listener Mail comes from Amy and Amy says, hey, you guys love the show and I have learned a lot. Here is a tech thing I have no clue about. How does 3D printing work? Thanks, Amy. Well, Amy, we thought we would tackle three D printing for you. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's a complex thing. It's it's super cool though.
1: Yeah, you can you know you could do a very rudimentary version of this by you know printing something out on a piece of paper and folding it into origami. That is but I don't three think... D printing. Oh no, not that's exactly. That's
0: printing on two D, and then you make a three D dimension. Oh, that's <laughs> it. That's it. Get Josh in here. So uh, no, no, no. So, 3D printing. Well, first of all, let's talk about why you would need 3D printing in the first place. And really the main purpose is to create prototypes for products.
1: Yeah, we're not uh, we're not talking about printing out stuff that you would read later. This is printing out things in relief so that you could see how they're put together and what they look like when they're done. The question is, how do you make that possible?
0: Right. Because think about it this way. If you are, let's, let's say that you have come up with a product idea. You work for this big company. You've come up with an idea for a new product and you want to make a mockup of it. But because there, it's, it's the first of its type, there's nothing in place for you to be able to manufacture this easily. You can't just go to the plant and say, Hey, you know, produce one of these for me because no one's made one before. So before 3D printing, you pretty much had to use other methods. Like if you want to go way back, we're talking about things like you take a block of wood and you carve it into the shape that it's supposed to be in. And then you you take another block of wood and carve that away until you get all the different pieces together. Then you put all the pieces together and then you show it off to whomever and say, this is what, this is the way it's supposed to go together. Please find a way to mass produce this. It's rather time consuming
1: is carve away all the bits that don't look like a whatever.
0: Right. Exactly. You carve away all the bits that don't look like whatever it is that you're trying to produce.
1: Or, um, another example is, uh, actually the group that uses 3D printing a lot, architects. Sure. Uh, everybody's seen a, one of those models of your town or your school after renovation or whatever where they, they have the little blocks and you look at them and you go, well, that's that's pretty neat. They put all the little trees in there and that – well, you can use 3D printing to create models like that.
0: Right. So obviously there's a need for creating prototypes. There's mm-hmm. a need for creating these models. And there's a need for doing it in a way that's not going to take you so much time that by the time you're done with it, the opportunity to create whatever it was you are going to create in its past. So that's where we get in with this whole rapid prototype approach. And 3D printing is really just uh, a way of creating the various bits and pieces you need for some 3D object, three-dimensional object. Uh, and uh, you do it without having to, you know, get other materials and carve it out yourself. Uh, and it's an additive pros- process, which means that it's adding the material as it goes uh, to build the ultimate object or series of
1: objects. It's kind of ironic because uh, really to print in 3D, you're printing in 2D. Right. Because... Just in
0: lots and lots and lots of layers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh,
1: it's kind of weird because uh, you, you think of it in uh, I guess in my head I was thinking sort of a sci-fi thing where you know you had this big open door with the the flaps on it and you tell it to print the thing and it just sort of comes out on the conveyor belt. Well, that's not exactly how yeah, it works. Yeah, kind of
0: like kind of like the the gobstoppers in Willy Wonka. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, I I, I was right there with you. Either that or either that or you think of it almost like a mold type thing where yeah. you know these two halves come together and when they come apart there's the object just sitting there. It's not quite like that. In fact, it's not like that at all, really. <laughs> what it really resembles most is uh inkjet printers yep so you know with an inkjet printer you've got a a printer that has a, a tiny little nozzle that sprays incredibly tiny drops of ink onto the paper Itty bitty drops. yes and incredibly small we're talking like usually on the nano scale really um something that or it can be that small and uh it just it, it the nozzle scans from one side of the paper to the other and sprays and as it sprays that's That's what's forming the text you see. Well, it's the same sort of principle with 3D printing, except instead of ink, it's using some sort of uh, material like a a resin or some sort of uh, uh, plastic kind of material and uh, a binding
1: agent. It depends. Actually, I've seen a couple different techniques, Uh, one that uses powder and another that uses a liquid.
0: Right. Yeah, it all depends on – there are variations. In general, the way it works is that – uh you first create a 3D model of whatever it is you want to build uh in a program like a like a CAD program on a mm-hmm. computer. Um then what most of these 3D printers do is they they divide that picture that you've created, that mm-hmm. model you've created into lots and lots and lots of layers, um hundreds and hundreds of them really, because the thickness of each layer tends to be very, very thin. It's it's really just one layer of the uh of the the
1: inkjet's printing i guess is what you could call it yeah. so think of it uh sorry to interrupt no oh, go ahead think of it as an egg slicer if you right, will like exactly. if you you know put the egg down and then you slice it up it only very very fine slices it's the computer is doing that in order to print it on this 3d printer
0: right the cross sections exactly right. yeah so it does this layer by layer and it it prints and until it's uh, finished with the object that you're creating and because there's the binding agent or the material itself is binding in nature, um, it actually clings together and eventually creates this three-dimensional object. You might think, well, how long does that take? Turns out, not very long at all, really. Um, even back in the early days of 3D printing, it was much faster to use this method than other comparable methods. Uh, and I've seen figures of, depending on the complexity of the object you're creating and the size of it, tends to be between half an hour to two hours, depending on the, again, the size and complexity.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You want to talk about the uh, the different types, the the powder and the liquid thing? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, <clears throat> well, the the one that I first saw when I was starting to do my research with the podcast was uh, this uh, stereolithographic technique, which is basically it's the liquid that they pour into a big well, – I think of it as a big tub, I guess. Yeah. Uh, although I guess it wouldn't have to necessarily be large. It just has to be big enough to contain the liquid. The laser is uh, shown onto the resin, and every place that the laser touches hardens. Right. So that's how it forms the pattern, and then it uh, that, that becomes a layer, and one of the layers eventually makes up the, the 3D. So it, it starts as a liquid resin, which is hardened by a laser into one of the layers that eventually becomes up the model.
0: Right, right. So what you do is you you scan the laser across, and it traces whatever the shape is of the that layer. Uh, then usually there is a process where, think of it like a squeegee, uh, something comes across and wipes off the excess uh, resin at that point so that the next layer can be built up. The laser goes across again. Uh, it binds with the first layer. You've now got a second layer. You do this hundreds and hundreds of times until you've the object that you're trying to create. Now, I should also point out that stereolithography is not the same thing as the inkjet method we were talking about earlier. It's a totally different kind of 3D printing. Right. Um, in fact, some people would argue that it shouldn't be called 3D printing at all. It's still a form of rapid prototype. But uh, but yes, it is a very popular way of creating a, a simple 3D objects. Um, and it is pretty neat. I mean it's just – it's a laser that once it comes into contact with the stuff, the stuff goes from liquid to solid. It's mm-hmm. That's – just cool, <laughs> but yeah. So, so yes, that's the liquid one you were talking about,
1: right? And then the uh, the other uh, uses a, a self adhesive powder, right? And um, you know, it's um, actually I had less on that.
0: <laughs> so the powder, the powder. What happens is it gets it gets put into the same sort of pattern. It adheres to itself. It binds to itself. There's some methods huh. here where you'll actually have to have a base. Of some sort before you can start printing the shape. So in other words, you can't just turn the printer on and tell it to go. You have to have some sort of uh, foundation for the, the 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 dust or liquid to adhere to. Um, so you might have a, a very basic cylinder, for example, and the object itself is is much more complex than that, with lots of curves or edges or whatever. But it still has to have that that. Foundation to cling onto before you can get started that's some of the printers require that
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, from what I understand that that term is selective laser centering or SLS, which is the uh, the name for that powder method ah and then uh, something else that's kind of interesting uh, um, at least to me is uh, that the 3d models when they have a continuous surface like this they're called watertight. That's sort of, I guess, industry slang for you know the fact that it's seamless how the the model is made rather than being made into pieces. Right. So um, yeah,
0: you're not gonna just, find you're not gonna find that little line where you know, two different pieces come together and are you know, glued that way. Right. What you um, might have found with
1: with old handmade versions where you had to put together uh, a lot of different sections by yourself.
0: And we're starting to see this more and more in applications beyond just uh, the prototype production. Um, it's not just something that's being used by gigantic companies like you, you you would see this normally in things like let's say you're at a car manufacturer and you've come up with a really cool design for a car and uh, you might want a model of that of your design when you're showing that to executives so you would use this method in order to create a model of the car design you had created so they're not just looking at a you know, a 3D image on a computer, they can actually see an object and, and look at it from all angles that way. Um, well, now these 3D printers have gone into the realm of affordability for a lot of smaller businesses. Now, when I say affordable, <laughs> yeah, this is a relative, relative term. term, right? It's not something that is affordable to the general consumer. Yeah. Uh, you know, Joe Schmo with his MacBook is not going to go out and get a 3D printer to sit next to his computer at home. Uh, because Joe Schmo probably can't shell out twenty-five grand for a three D printer, and that's for a cheap one.
1: Yeah, the uh, the average now is about somewhere between fifteen thousand to two hundred and fifty thousand yeah. dollars. for a three D printer, it's a printer. big range. Although there are some desktop ish printers that are starting to come down below five thousand dollars. That's still not the kind of money that you're gonna, you know fork over for your kid's uh science fair project so that you can do a three cool 3d printed thing. That's yeah. still a little. Yeah. You, you might
0: be a, you might be a, a, a model train enthusiast, but I doubt that you are an enthusiast to the point where you're going to drop 25 grand on a printer that can print a tree that you want. Yeah. Although true. I don't know, maybe if you're a Michael Jackson quality,
1: you yeah. had a
0: lot of model trains.
1: That's true. That's true. <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah. Um, you know, they, they use these in a lot of different, uh, processes. Um, some of which made complete sense to me, like manufacturing and aerospace and sure. automotive. Um, one that I was a little surprised to see was footwear, but I guess people like to see what the shoe's going to look like before, uh, the consumers get hold of it and, uh, in the arts. Yeah. Uh, in fact, some of the models for Coraline were built, uh, for <laughs> Nike founder, um, Phil Knight's company has a, he had a company called Leica. And uh, apparently, that company was involved with making some of the models for Coraline, printed on you know three D printing technology. Cool. And the medical industry is using them to print prosthetics. Wow, which is pretty cool. And yeah, that makes I, a lot of I read sense. Read about that in Creativity Magazine. So.
0: I remember reading at some point. I, I I didn't find it for this podcast, but I do remember reading an article at one point about a former. Um, Microsoft executive, someone who worked on Microsoft's video game division, actually, mm-hmm. who left the company and formed his own company, um, that was, uh, that partnered, um, uh, with World of Warcraft so that players of World of Warcraft could send in pictures of their character, essentially their character model mm-hmm. and have a, uh, a figurine created through 3D printing huh. of their, their character. So, and it was using this method. It was using 3D printing to, Create models that were very specific to the, the look of each individual World of Warcraft character. So if you, you know, had one of those busty elf chicks, you could get a 3D figurine of your busty elf chick. All right. Yeah. Not life size. Sorry to disappoint you fellas. <laughs> um, it was actually like you know, maybe three inches tall, but yeah. hey, you know, you can't have
1: everything. If they were two apples tall, then they'd be Smurf size. Smurf size.
0: Were they two or three?
1: Uh, no, I think you're right. Uh, it was three, okay. three apples tall. So anyway.
0: Yes, that was a childhood well spent. So,
1: you know, uh, somebody there, the 3D printing, the rapid prototyping technology has fans. But, you know, I was a little surprised to see somebody who uh, who's very popular in the world of design right now who isn't necessarily a fan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jonathan Ive of Apple. Huh. Was quoted as saying that it's distancing designers from, you know, the idea of their physical Artwork of you know actually doing it by hand, and so he uh, he's apparently not such a big fan. I can sort of see that, I guess. I mean, I I
0: see that in the same way that I see some uh, animators who specialize in hand drawn animation. Yeah. How they look down on computer generated uh, animation. Uh, not all of them do. I don't mean to say that. And no, not, no, know, no, it's a very small number who who have voiced any sort of negative opinion about the thing. But my view is that it's really it's not so much the technique; it's you know how you how you put it to use. Sure. So, as far as I'm concerned, it's just another tool, and if someone is able to use that tool in a creative way, then I, I see no real problem with it. But then I'm not a designer, so I am not an artiste. <laughs> so perhaps that's uh, that's maybe it's because I'm more of a, a you know practical kind of guy as opposed to a, a artistic kind of guy. I understand. But I was also going to talk a little bit about Vic Oliver. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Did you come across Vic Oliver when you were researching 3D printing? I did not. Okay. So Vic Oliver, he's heading this this open source self-copying 3D printer project.
1: Self-copying?
0: Yes. So the idea here is that to create a 3D printer that is capable of printing all of the components that go into that 3D printer. Wow. So that in theory – you could create a machine that can replicate itself now granted it's going to replicate itself in various bits and pieces it'll still have to be assembled and wired and all that but in theory with the methods that he's working on you would be able to create another printer and mm-hmm. that would remove this barrier of price
1: think about yeah. it like you know you
0: let's say like you, you for the purchase price of one printer and whatever materials you needed to feed it through like the the Plastic and the metal that you would need to create more, you could then create another printer and give that to your friend, and then the two of you could each create a printer and give that to two other friends, and they I, could give it to two friends, and they two friends,
1: I'm, and so on and so on. I really figured you were going to go to that. I know. Uh, you know, I. That's the the problem with that is that uh, there's no 3D metal printing technology. Well, that's point. what they're,
0: that's what they're working on. They're working on this methodology that would allow you to use low metals that have a low melting point. Mm -hmm. So you would have a metal that could melt at a temperature that is lower than the temperature required for the plastic to stay hard. Okay. So you could actually line the plastic with metal and it would all work fine. It wouldn't intermix. You wouldn't have this hot metal melting the plastic you just generated. And, um, and granted, now, they're still working on it. Uh, they've developed the, the nozzle metal system, but uh, it's still a little ways away from a, a full self-replicable model. Okay. But, I mean, that's... that's Sounds a, cool. It is a pretty neat thing because you think about it, then, all right, well, how far away are we to the point where we get to the Star Trek world where we've got mm-hmm. the replicators?
1: I could have used a, a hot Earl Grey this afternoon.
0: Yeah, I could have used a... um an alternator for my wife's car. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. we all have our, our needs. Yeah, on but the, <laughs> On
1: the day that we recorded this, the water main busted outside and there's a boil water order and I really wanted a cup of tea, I think because I couldn't.
0: Yeah, I, uh, so, I had a cup of coffee before I found out about the boil water <laughs> order. So I'm expecting to either die or develop superpowers before the end of this podcast.
1: Sad thing is he won't let me vote. No, so, uh, no,
0: it's pretty much a coin flip situation here. I, it's not a democracy. All right. All right. Well, uh, I, I'm pretty much done with the 3D printing. What about you?
1: I, I am too. And uh, thanks, Amy, for writing in because that's, that was a lot of fun to research.
0: It was a really cool topic and it was something I'd been wondering about for ages. In fact, yeah. as I recall, that might have been one of the first articles I pitched mm-hmm. at How Stuff Works when I started working here, although I never did get the chance to actually write that one. So uh-huh. it was cool to finally do the research. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks very so, uh, much.
1: So y- y'all continue to write in uh, about stuff that we want to write about and, and read about. And
0: stuff right. And stuff. Uh, but this does, however, bring me to, to something else I need to talk about. Oh,
1: OK. That would be
0: listener mail.
1: Sabotage.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen to all y'all. So this listener mail comes from Jacob from Cleveland. And it's actually a dual listener mail because really? it's not just to us. It's to our our bigger sister podcast stuff. You should know as well. Oh, okay.
1: So <clears throat> I thought it was going to involve Aaron Burr. And no, anyway.
0: not this time. You now you may recall several episodes ago, I laid out a challenge to our listeners to create a Spenserian sonnet. Oh yeah. In our honor, and more than a few responded, but Jacobs was the first. So here is Jacobs' Spenserian sonnet. Dear tech stuff and stuff you should know. Of requests for sonnets not everyone forgets. To Chris, John, Josh, or Chuck, these words should flow. Or anyone whom this poem gets. I love the podcast for their humor and wits. From BitTorrent to Einstein's brain. From listener mail and corrections, someone admits, To make me laugh, you all never refrain. In fact, you keep me from going insane. All fans of Stuff Podcasts, you guys should impress. From all your episodes, there is knowledge to gain. How much one can only guess a year of tech stuff, which I adore, and from stuff you should know, just a little bit of time more. P.S. Tech Stuff, I recommend a Linux podcast. Well, Jacob, we've got a Linux podcast in the works for you. Uh, it's and, one of those. And many others. <laughs> yes. Cause there's actually quite a, quite a long list of topics that, that is accumulating. You guys are sending in requests faster than we can do podcasts, which is <laughs> awesome because we don't have to think about them, but we've had a lot of requests for Linux. So that will be coming in the near future. So keep your ears peeled, I suppose, or mm. open. Yes. Cause you would keep your eyes peeled.
1: Uh, I don't even want to think about that.
0: What, peeling your eyes or yes. your ears? Either. Okay, so if you have any requests or corrections or any other comments, you can send those to our email address, which is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. And remember, you can read all about printers and computers and everything in between at howstuffworks.com. And we will talk to you again, unless Chris has something to add.
1: New, nope. Really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage.
0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you